Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, it's that time of the week, your favorite Tuesday you've had since last Tuesday. Is that how that works? Sure. It's probably the we're best Tuesday you've it. had this week, so we are stoked to have you join us. It is the True Wealth Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me in studio, Matt Dixon. And we have got the best radio show you're hearing right now. You'll see. We're going to be talking today about the end of the year. You know why? Because it's coming up really freaking quick. Yeah, that's exactly because we're pretty much there. And uh, if we were to if we were to do the show next week, you know what happens? You have less time to respond. We're trying to give you that last opportunity, right? Yep. So, so this we're reaching year end planning stages, and we thought, what better time than the end of the year to give you all a friendly nudge and some reminders about what you may want to consider to sort of put the cherry on top of your financial cake this year. There we go. Right? So before we get into that, though, do we want to do any type of market recap? Because last week we were in here and we were kind of sweating a little bit, you know. Oh, let's. Yeah. Let's. Okay. Well, so, all right, give me the rundown. Recap it, brother. Things look good. Yeah. So, so basically last week, so you... Rewind to the week of Thanksgiving, right? Right. Everybody's getting stoked for the, they're going to have a turkey, unless you're vegan. And then I'm sorry, but for the and rest the, of us, we were like, oh, it's coming, right? Well, and then Black Friday stabs us in the heart. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, because we hit like all time intraday highs that Monday. The week fades a little bit, but you know, it's a holiday week, and we're like, eh, it's not unusual. Holiday weeks are kind of slow, especially we expect Friday. When the market's only going to be open from like 10 a.m. to or t- until 10 a.m. I think it opened at 6:30 and closed at 10 a.m. our time, right? So we're talking short West Coast market day. Who even goes to the office, right? It's such a short day. You know what? Four day weekend. Let's do this thing. And then the few people that are there trading hear about Omicron. Right? Omicron on uh, Thanksgiving itself, and the Google searches go bananas. The uh, algo starts sniffing around, and the handful of people that went into the office said, well, you know what? We did not eat enough turkey because we are awake. Yeah, right? those darn people that didn't eat enough turkey. Right? So there was pie. that. Right? If you didn't eat enough turkey, then you're a turkey for, on Friday because you're the reason that volatility went in bananas. Oh, my gosh. And if you look, at, if you want to see a fun chart to represent volatility, you go to like Yahoo Finance and type in VIX and then look for the the index, right? There's a VIX trading thing, but VIX underscore X or something like that is usually the ticker symbol for the index, the volatility index, right? Chicago Board of Trade, I believe, and it's tracking the spread of different option prices. And you looked at the VIX and it shot up like crazy, like 40%. It just spikes. And what happens when we see that much volatility? Well, usually, I mean, the markets can go up on volatility, but in this case, they tanked. Mm-hmm. Right? So we had a tank on Friday on a short day. And then last week, a bunch of volatility and a bunch of and basically a jobs report. Like beat down. Wasn't and the Fed came out and said, hey, you know what? We think inflation's pretty serious. We're going to take the word transitory out. And now everybody's scratching their head going, well, what does that mean? Are interest rates going up or or what? And, and interest rates so far are like, well, yeah, they're going to go up slowly. But we got to start paying attention to this because 
Everybody, we all know, if you're listening to this show, hey, look around, life's more expensive. And we oh, all yeah. get it. Now, here's the great mystery that I haven't figured out. A bunch of jobs were either lost or shut down during the COVID lockdowns, and supposedly almost all of those jobs are back, supposedly. But we also have seen unemployment's down to like 4.2%, mm-hmm. labor force participation rates down, businesses still desperate for workers, right? We still have help wanted ads all over the place. So something isn't jiving right now. And wages are up too. When people say, no, this is labor that's trying to fight back and go, look, wages are up. Is it possible to see how many people retired during that time period? That's what's got me curious. You know, a lot of, you know, teachers that were tired of dealing with the COVID push, you know, they, yeah, I mean, our poor school systems locally, what a yeah. mess, right? I mean, basically if, if you have a high school diploma and can fog a mirror, I think you can be a substitute right now. Yeah. No, you can. So, I mean, it's, it's amazing where we are at in that cycle. And so here we have this super low unemployment and inflation. And so that clearly the markets have got to just be destroyed, right? You would think, but, but we had Friday yeah. Where the markets had a pretty solid rally. And then today. And then today where the markets had another really solid rally. And don't look now, but when we looked, I believe the S&P 500 is just 1.22% away from all-time highs. It's nuts. Right? And it was like down 4 or 5% as of last week. So, you know, two days of 2 plus percent returns back to back, and we are right back in the game. The roller coaster took us down for a second, and we we felt that in our stomachs, but now we're riding back up. And the best thing about this is vindication for all of you that just leave your statements in the drawer and say, yeah, it'll work itself out. Yeah. And it really sort of reinforces the idea that there is a difference between investing and speculating, right? And that timing the market is statistically extraordinarily improbable. And I will call it impossible to time the market perfectly. Yeah, imagine okay. if you had sold a couple days ago, and then everything just jumps through the roof. And yeah, well, imagine if like, you'd ah. sold last Monday, and then you decided to buy Friday morning. Now, that's the part everybody wishes they could figure out, is how do I sell at the top and buy at the right. bottom? That We all seem to want to wish for that. And what I'm going to tell you is, here's a couple of secrets when it comes to investment management. Okay, Dirty secrets. The first one, every buy or sell decision is a market timing decision. Okay? Yeah. Think about that for a second. Every time that you buy or sell, there's a market timing decision. Okay? The question is just, how intentional is it it, and is it in the context of anything else, right? Mm -hmm. You know what? I need some money out of the account right now. I have to take a required distribution from my retirement plan, so go ahead and let's take the distribution. Why? Well, because I got to do it before the end of the year, and it seems like I like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I like the days that end in Y. Perfect. Let's do that. <laughs> so you just choose it, and there's not any rhyme or reason to it. But it, so it was just a haphazard timing. Okay. Other times, people may try to be more intentional about it. My point about market timing, though, is to try to time the bottom and the top perfectly is statistically pretty much impossible to do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. To try to get the meat of a trend when the markets are moving up or down. That's a little bit easier. Well, it's it's there are other things that you can do that make that stuff 
easier to manage. You know, so for example, we talk about strategies all the time. One of the things you can do is dollar cost average. Right? Sure. So that'll be helpful if you're more consistent with your purchasing. So this happens in retirement plans naturally. Every month, a little bit of money comes out of my paycheck and goes into my retirement plan. Great. You know, if the markets are up, you buy a little less, but you're you're getting into the market on the way up. If the markets are down, you buy a little bit more. So when the markets go back up, you got a little bit more because you bought it on sale, right? You're averaging out your price per unit. And and so that's that's the trick is when the units are cheap, you're buying more if you're putting the same amount in every month. Okay. So that's a good strategy. And then the other one is something that we want to talk about here. As we are reaching the end of the year, there's a, there, I got a list of things that I think folks ought to consider for the end of the year. Now, I'm going to give some credit where credit's due because somebody else assembled the list for me. And so I don't know who this guy is, but Greg McBride, who's a chartered financial analyst, uh, or, or I guess C, CFA, that, that's funny. I guess I look at CFA and I think chartered financial analyst, but this one, it says chief financial analyst. That seems sneaky. Really? That's the CFA initials. doesn't mm -hmm. matter. But Greg McBride here is got a great little list for us that we're going to talk through today. Uh, what are things that you should be doing at the end of the year as far as your finances go? Okay. Okay. And the first thing we're going to do on the list is Take an obscene profit break for the station. Right? Okay. So we got to do that. When we come back, we're going to cover it. Uh, so we got a list of about eh, maybe a dozen or so things uh, that we'll check off the list and we'll talk about how to make 2022 awesome. But we got to take this break first. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon. Got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... As always, Matt Dixon. Yep, and today we are covering the end of 2022. I know it's not done yet, right? I'm not trying to... Or not 2022 either. I guess we're, we're beginning yeah, 2022 of 2022. Better not the, be the done The end yet. of 2021. Somebody's listening out there going like, whoa, what happened? Uh, I wish we could have done that in... 2020 thinking 2021 was going to be better parts of it were better and in parts of it i don't know punt right mm -hmm. but here we are wrapping up the year and the question is how are we going to position ourselves to to as we say put a cherry on top of this year and then get started right for 2022 and there are some things that i think we ought to take a, a good honest look at before the end of the year and so the credit here is somebody else who's assembled a fun list that we're gonna we're gonna build off of. The list is worth looking at. Okay. And so like this list just because it came from somebody else. And I don't I don't know who Greg McBride is, but I know that his chart lives on Google and I wanna give him appropriate credit. And uh, we're gonna talk through some of these because they're pretty good things, right? So the the there's a few, let's let's start with there's sort of a rundown on here. Do you see on the list, Matt? A lot of them are around sort of looking at uh, your debts, mm -hmm. right? And so one of them is check the progress on paying down debts. Another is uh, pay down your credit card debt. So both of those are sort of floating around in there. Um, and we're going to – so let's let's look at some of those elements here. Uh, this is one that I don't know that I agree with. Review your credit card benefits and reward offers and then apply for a new credit card and save money. And I'm like, whoa, hold up. Okay, Because – First of all, let me tell you my take on credit cards. Oh, I haven't heard this yet, so now I'm interested. Yeah, Credit cards are a lot like firearms. Oh. 
right? Okay. Yeah. The user's the problem. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. Okay. I 100% agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, this is the issue that, I mean, I can put a firearm anywhere and let it sit there, and it's an inanimate object. It takes an, uh, an irresponsible user to be really damaging, and credit cards are much the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is easy to demonize the credit card company because their behaviors are predatory on the stupid, right? They prey on stupid. Yeah. And that is what it is. Okay, if you don't pay it off, you pay lots of interest. If you're late paying things off, you get penalties and other fees associated. And so they they get you with your own bad habits, right? They prey on your susceptibility to missing the details. Of course. Yeah, I mean, I've right. never paid interest on a credit card, but my credit card has paid me thousands of dollars in points. Right. And so, so it's not evil. But, it's just given me So the money. credit card is an object, but what happens is the credit card does something dangerous. It detaches you from the decision, right? Studies That's show true. that people pay more with a credit card than with cash. Now, I'm not I'm not in the business of trashing other people on the radio, right? One of the people that's on this this station often is Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey is very cut and dry about his belief on credit cards. I understand why. And guess what? If you find yourself upside down and underwater because of bad decisions, Dave Ramsey is right. Cut those bad boys up because you can't be responsible. Mm-hmm. Okay? But for the folks that say, listen, I have the money in the account right now. I could pay it off whenever I want. But when I make a purchase online, I don't want to use my debit card because I don't want to expose my account to a would-be hacker that could take everything and drain it. Instead, I want the protection that comes from a credit card for my online purchase. And I want to know that at the end of the month, I'm going to pay my credit card off in full and I'm not going to pay anything. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that person is treating that card as if it is access to their cash store. You're aware and not overpaying for the decision because you are engaged rather than detached from the decision. And you're leveraging the tool that the credit card can be for your benefit. So that user being responsible, not dangerous. Okay. But if you are not responsible and I don't, I hate to kind of lay a segment of truth on you here. I mean, I use credit cards, and there have been times when I look back and went, oh, shoot, and they've gotten me because of something stupid. So I won't say I've never paid credit card interest. I have. In the grand scheme of things, it was a trade I'm willing to make. It's a mistake I'm not crazy about, but I still believe that the convenience factor, the protection factor, and yes, other factors that have included things like points and so forth along the way have, in fact, been a net benefit to me and I've received more back than I've paid. Now, you want to argue that the system costs more because everybody's using credit? Maybe. I can see there's, that There's argument. transaction fees associated, so I'll say maybe. But the reason I say maybe and not for sure, because a lot of those systems are built on volume of transactions and the facilitation of volume of transactions allows organizations to get bigger, faster, and at scale, you may actually get better discounts than if the company was a mom and pop. Oh, right? And then somebody an may find themselves saying, well, it. mom and pop shops need to be supported. That is true. But I don't believe that mom and pop options are inherently more beneficial and any large company is inherently evil.
like just because of virtue of existing that way. So, right? I'm I'm not yeah. going to paint that with a roller like that. I'm going to say circumstances matter, and so it depends. Right? Yeah. What so, else do we got on this list? So that's the credit card stuff. This is the stuff I think is pretty good, though. Um, first of all, review your budget. A lot of people don't do that. Right? Now, budgets, we've been on, you. I know you and Justin have been on the show before. Mm -hmm. You've talked about lots of different methods to budget. Sure. Right? I mean, what's, uh, there's like the 80-20 budget. Mm -hmm. Right? And, and what does that mean? I think the most important piece, though, with the budget is just sitting down and actually looking at it. Yeah, be aware of your spending. Because so much of money how many just be aware. I mean, I'll, I'm guilty of this. How many months do you just spend what you spend and move on to the next month without actually looking at, you know, oh man, we went out to eat 55 times this month and we spent $2,000 on fast food. Maybe we should rein that in. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of fast food. Uh, it's true that a lot of this comes down to sort of situational awareness, right? It's easy to get complacent in finance when mm -hmm. things are easy or an autopilot. Uh, you may have subscriptions that you're paying for for things you're not using. Gym memberships typically survive on the people that pay for memberships that don't utilize them. Yeah. Right? Because, oh, I got started. I used it for a little while. I fell off the wagon, but I had a commitment and I forgot to turn it off. Uh, everything from magazine subscriptions to... Um, the know. Xbox Live account that you're not actually playing video games on. Right. There's all kinds of ish scenarios where those sorts of things happen. So having a budget and then just general awareness of what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, now, the 80-20 the, the, the budget, that just means, hey, 20% save, 80% spend. Right. right. But there are lots of ways to do it. You can do really granular. Here's each category. You could use the envelope system of Dave Ramsey. We put this much in each envelope, and that's what we're allowed to spend. Uh, the, the real key to any budget, here's the magic, right? Sticking to it. Spend less than you make. Huh. Yeah. Right. The too. number one rule of finance, spend less than you make. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so what else is on our list here? Uh, we already talked about paying down debt. Uh, if you've reviewed your budget, you should also review... Your savings progress. Yeah. And set some goals. Yeah. Part of your budget should include paying yourself. So that in, that's your savings, mm -hmm. right? How much should somebody have in savings, Matt? Um, you know, I think, isn't it like three times? Well, so three. Or three months. Yep. Uh, yeah, I knew it started three, with yeah, a three. Three to six months. Okay. Right? And three to six months of beans and rice operating expenses, right? It's if you had an interruption in your ability to earn an income. Yeah. I mean, that's really where it comes from. And, and the more income sources you have, so like if you're married and both you and your spouse work and you have relatively equitable income levels, one of you loses your job, you may only need three months of family emergency fund because the other is still working so that you can still sort of have life support. Mm -hmm. But if you have an interruption in income, the emergency fund is to bridge the gap until you either start earning income again or until disability insurance kicks in. Right. So that's what that emergency fund is for. And it's also for things that are unplanned expenses. You know, surprise, the hot water heater goes out. We got to get a new one. Okay. Yeah. Not a normal household budget item. So you want some contingency funds for that kind of stuff. Yeah, for okay. sure. So that's all part of sort of the, the budgeting and the, the holdbacks. Uh, other fun ones. Retirement plans. Right. December 31 is the end of this year. I don't know if you guys checked or not. 
And if you want to contribute to retirement plans in 2021, dirty little secret. You don't have much time left. Yeah, it has to be in 2021. That's the thing. Now, there is an exception. IRAs, you have until tax deadline of next year to make contributions for 2021. So you can have until April 15th of 2022 for your IRAs, but not for your workplace retirement plans, your 401k plan, if you have a simple IRA, a SEP IRA, something like that, the money needs to get contributed. Maybe it's 403b, you know, if you're a teacher and you're contributing to like the Oregon Saves program or something, then you need to get those contributed in this tax year and in this payroll year. There's some weird exceptions, right? Like hey, I don't get paid until the end of the month for the prior month. So at December 31, uh, I, I get my, my hours calculated for the month, and then I get paid in January of next year. Then you typically have up until January 30th of the next year to get that contribution in for last year. It's a little hiccup. Let's not – never mind. We're going into want, the weeds. Don't want to confuse you on this stuff, but you got the, till the end of the year to get your money in there, there we for go. most plans. Okay? That's a good good rule of thumb. Yep. Uh, other things on your checklist, you should be looking at individual retirement plans, Roth versus traditional IRA. Um, here's another fun one um, as you're getting into the end of the year, tax loss harvesting. We've been talking with our clients a little bit about this. We have. Matt, talk to me about tax loss harvesting. Okay. So if you are in a position right where your shares have decreased in value and you're sitting on an unrealized loss you could sell those shares, take the loss, and then claim it on that year's statement. Okay, so like in my IRA, if I've got a loss on the account, I just sell the position? Mm-hmm. Trick question, by the way. Haha. Well, you would sell it before the end of yeah. the year. The, the trick question is, for all of our listeners, it doesn't work in your retirement accounts. Oh, okay. In, you said in, IRA, didn't you? I did. Oh, you're, did. Tr you're tricky today, I know. I'm, I'm giving them a hard time. These are like, really? Did you do that on the air? I'm sorry, Matt. I, it, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Uh, That's why I, you got to listen real close. Well, you do. And it's also, for for everybody listening, the benefit here, and I, you know, that's one of those where when you're on the radio, it's hard because you're thinking about a lot of things at the same time. Right? It's true. So asking was, to do live planning while you're on air is like, really? Thanks was, for the real time pressure. I was talking to Cheyenne about that, my wife, the other day. And yeah. I was like, you know, oftentimes when we're done with the radio show, I'll walk out of there and be like, what in the heck did we even talk about? Because you're so in the moment. Yeah, you're really like that tuned. you're not like letting mm -hmm. this stuff sink in it's it's a different experience totally so with this the reason the iras don't count for this is because those are tax deferred right you're not going to pay taxes until someday later when you take the money out so the buying and selling inside of it doesn't really matter but if it's not in a retirement account or a tax deferred account mm -hmm. so these are these are investments that are outside of tax deferral then you have capital gains exposure so but you also have capital loss exposure, right? So if you have a stock that you own or an investment that you own that has a loss in it, you might want to sell that on purpose because you can bank that loss and use it to offset a different gain. Yeah. And what that does is it gives you a little bit of more flexibility in the future. If you have a highly appreciated asset and you want to find a way to sell it without triggering as much tax, you could use some of these other capital losses that you've collected over the years to offset it. And if you don't use them all in a year, and, and again, we're not giving tax advice here, but losses can carry forward, right? If you take a loss in a year and you don't have a gain somewhere else that you're that you're sort of canceling them out, 
because they cancel each other, right? If you have a hundred dollar gain and a hundred dollar like, loss, the IRS says you have zero gain or loss. Was it like three thousand dollars? Well, three thousand dollars can offset income, mm-hmm. right? But if but let's say you have a ten thousand dollar loss sure. and no gains, then you could bank that ten thousand dollars, and then in twenty twenty two maybe you have a gain, and you sell it for ten thousand dollars of profit, and then you could carry that other ten thousand dollars of there loss from this year. And you could still cancel it. Nice. Right? So you have to do the bookkeeping. You got to track it. And so you should have a qualified tax professional. Right? If you're going to go down this path, you have a qualified tax pro help you with it. But look at harvesting losses. That's something that financial professionals do and money managers do. And that's something that you should educate yourself on. So you can Google it and get more information. Now we've given you enough to be dangerous. And remember, we don't give individual advice on this program. We're talking concepts so that you understand where to go looking for more info. And if and if you're struggling with that, see us after class, right? How do they get us, Matt? 541-375-0898. Exactly. You got to say that like you mean it, by the way. Okay. So it's like, yep, that's the phone number, and you can give our office a call, and we'll get you pointed in the right direction. So there's more on the list, but here we are uh, at, you know, at the half point, halfway point, and uh, I'm getting that flag where we're going to have to take another obscene profit break. So we'll do that. And on the flip side, just a few more things for the year-end checklist, making sure that you have got good financial hygiene. But we got to take a break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with Matt Dixon. And a reminder, if you're just joining us, we're wrapping up the 2021 year, right? We're getting to the end of this, and we're going through our checklist of stuff we need to look for as uh, part of our financial hygiene process. If you want to check the rest of the list, check out the podcast. It'll be available tomorrow. Go to littlejohnfs.com. And what's the FS stand for? Financial services. There it Super is. clever, right? Mm-hmm. So just www.littlejohnfs.com. And then under the What Are We About tab, right? Like what's our firm stand for? There's three pillars, right? Education, planning, and investing. Go look under the education tab, and you're going to get this podcast. So you can cl- you check out what you missed today, what else was on the list. But we got a few more things to cover today on the list. Okay. Right? One of them is what do you do at the end of the year? So uh, just quick recaps, right? Get your budget in order. Uh, get get debt paid down. Get your savings goals set and dialed for 2022. Review and contribute to your 401k or other workplace retirement with deadlines that that are year end. Uh, Look at maybe Roth or traditional IRA if appropriate. You should consider tax loss harvesting. One thing we didn't mention on that, by the way, you you asked about at the break, Matt. What were we talking about? We were talking about wash sales. Wash sale, right? Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. If you sell something and immediately buy it back the next day, the IRS is going to say, basically, you never sold it. They're going to mm-hmm. consider the sale as if it never happened, and you're you're not going to get that tax loss that you're looking for cashed in. You're gonna they're going to keep your original cost basis. If this sounds fancy, here's the easy way to think about it: just wait 31 days, like well, a full month. So I would say 32 days, and then you're safe, right? But if you go, I'm not going to buy this thing back for 32 days. Hey, I sell ABC stock. Don't touch it for 32 days, and then you get to keep the loss. If you buy it back before then. 
there's a good chance that that is going to be considered a wash sale and you're not going to get credit for the loss. Okay. So other things on the list to consider. One of them is uh, look at whether or not you should be adjusting your asset allocation and your investment mix. Talk about that. Right. So break that down. Stocks versus bonds, growth versus value, small cap versus large cap, domestic versus international. What is your mix of assets? You know, technology versus utilities versus consumer staples versus commodities, right? All the different segments of the market and how it gets sliced and diced. How do you decide how to invest, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got a retirement plan, what are you choosing to invest in? The mix of risky and less risky stuff and what you want to own. How does that look, okay? And so should you be making adjustments? Maybe you're getting closer to retirement. Maybe you need to back that risk off a right? little bit. Maybe you maybe instead of having you know your your uh, the old spinal tap, you know my amp goes to eleven, right? Well, maybe you should only turn it up to eight. <laughs> <laughs> maybe only five. It it just sort of depends on your financial circumstance and your risk tolerance. It's a good time to review those things at mm -hmm. the year, end of the year. Okay. Uh, another one that people this is kind of an overlooked one, right? Hey, what happens if something happens to you? Right? Okay. Who gets your stuff? Right? So making sure that you have a will and a trust in order? Yeah, and looking at your beneficiaries, right? If you've got a workplace retirement plan, typically there's somewhere that it lists who's next in line if it's not you. Oftentimes it defaults to your spouse, but it may also go to your kids or somebody else. So yeah. who is your, and the term is, Beneficiary. I feel like life insurance should be on this list. Like just reviewing your needs for it potentially. Like, do well, I need it this yeah, year? Yeah, I mean, so my my take on life insurance is that that's a planning deal, and mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily have to be at the end of the year. But it's a good idea to know where things are anyway. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a checklist, life insurance is like, well, know where your policy is, know how long it lasts, know how much it costs, know what it pays, and know who gets it when you die. Right? Those are all yeah. financial hygiene. Uh, here's one that gets people. Check the balances on your flexible spending account, right? Here's the question, and I'm not. I guess uh, we don't we don't use this in our office presently. But have you have you ever had a, a flexible spending account, Matt? Maybe. Yeah. So this oftentimes it's it's part of a a package, sometimes called a cafeteria plan, where you may be able to select benefits at work. They're less and less popular these days because of two things. One, the 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 proliferation of HSA accounts. Mm -hmm. So health savings account versus the flexible spending account. Flexible spending was the idea that, hey, you could put some money away tax-free and then you could use it for health expenses. The mm -hmm. issue is that they're typically use it or lose it plans. So if you don't spend it in a year, it goes away. And that that would feel bad, yeah. wouldn't now, it? Now some plans allow them to roll over to the next year, but it's sort of stuck with the employer and it's where a health savings account belongs to you and you can sort of move if you if you leave employment, the health savings account follows you. Flexible spending account doesn't typically follow you. So in that case, you know, maybe you've got end of year stuff or medical expenses, any kind of uh, 
co-pays that you're making for year-end stuff, that that can all oftentimes be paid for from your flexible spending account. So review that and make sure you're not leaving money on the table. You know, this is also, uh, oh, I need to get new glasses or something like that. A mm-hmm. lot of eligible expenses that can fall into that that's category. A, that's a good one to have on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are, uh, it, this is kind of depends on your employer, but you may be in open enrollment and it's your chance to elect benefits for the next year, right? So, hey, right. what are my deductible levels going to be and what are I going to have dental and vision and what are my copay levels and so forth? You might have some flexibility in your, uh, if you work for a larger company. If you work for a smaller company, you may get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else we got on that list? We darn near covered all yeah, of them, didn't credit we? Credit report, right? So you, yeah. it's, it's a good idea to, uh, you know, there's three different reporting agencies. You can get one report per year for free. And uh, so I usually advise that you should kind of go through and like once a year, pick one of them, pull a credit report. Yeah. And just make credit sure that Credit Karma's really good. changed the game with that. It has. It yeah. has. So that's a good one. Uh, and then... Uh, it's funny, pay your credit cards down, and we already talked about it. I don't think you should be uh, taking out new credit cards. If you do have credit card rewards, you may want to know your status on it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how many rewards just sort of sit in limbo and don't get used at all. Unless you're my wife, because was... all those free Amazon points, they get used up like every month. I see. Well, I'm guilty as charged on that one. We've amassed a lot of points and not sure what we're doing. Ah. Uh, and then you've already mentioned review insurance policy. So that's kind of the big list, right? Mm-hmm. What we want to talk about now is, great, so you've done your financial checklist. Why? Because you're smart. <laughs> well, smart's <laughs> part of it. Uh, the, the why behind much of this is going to fall into, what are your goals? Mm-hmm. Right? And if you've been listening to this program for any amount of time, you'll know that this time every year, I like to kind of break this out and talk about goal setting because we're getting into the New Year's resolution season soon. Or, as some might do you, say... Do the, you set a New Year's resolution? Well, I would say it's the fake promise to yourself resol- you know, season. Yeah, do you participate in this? So I don't do New Year's resolutions. I do annual plans. Ooh. Right? And I have, so I have annual goal setting. Do you make it formal? I do. I okay. have uh, written goals going back to 2014. And you keep a log of those? And I do. I have a log yourself. of them, and I can tell you, you know, how close i've been like my completion ratio have you ever been a hundred percent in a year so the interesting thing about that is i don't think so no is close within 80 percent yeah i know i've hit 80 percent and so my goal is not to get to a hundred percent if i get to a hundred percent it means i probably sandbag the goals too much Mm -hmm. right so so it it needs to be something that's a bit of a stretch but the interesting thing is that almost everything on the one-year goal if i look back three years has all been accomplished Oh, so the one year goes. They do still get done. It just sometimes takes longer, unless like here's a here's a weird one where I just need to get real and get honest. I've never completed my pilot's license. Ah. I know, right? And that's been on my list of something that is I want to do. I got started with it, then I got busy with kids and running the business and doing everything else, and haven't finished it. So How I kind of need to go get? out and talk to Rob Levin and just get off my did you get close duff. at least are you uh, no, no no i'm no. i'm maybe 20 percent of the way into it uh never soloed or anything how like that how much time does it take to get that if i think it's about i mean if you were like super disciplined and hit it like day in and day yeah. out you can do it in around 40 hours but realistically it's probably more like double that okay 
you know, so it, it takes some I'm just going to start time. blocking your calendar out, like, <laughs> days at a time. Like, go get that pilot's license. Chase those dreams. <laughs> well, the, you know, the question is kind of like a dog chasing a car, right? What do you do if you catch it? Then I mean, you start flying me around. See like, there. David, I want to go to Jamaica, then, so then we can fire up way. that airplane. It, it gets a lot faster to get to our branch in Salem, right? That's right. All right. Well, look. Uh-oh. David's fumbling stuff over here. I'm trying to put the headphones here. on and the cables under my chair and making a mess. Here's what we're going to do. We got one last obscene profit break to take. Right. When we come back, we're going to talk about how to give you a a really good fighting chance of actually succeeding with your New Year's resolutions. Okay. But we got to take a break first. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. You got True Wealth. A News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang. Welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Show. Grab the podcast to get caught up at littlejohnfs.com. And Matt, it's time to get smart. Okay. All right. It's the end I'm of the ready. year. End of 2021. If you guys are just joining the show, you got to listen to the podcast and figure out what are the things on that checklist. It's that hygiene stuff. Get your retirement plans cleaned up. Make sure your budget's in good order. You know, uh, making sure that stuff says what you think it says and goes where you think it goes. Know where it is, right? Make a treasure map so people can find your stuff. Get that house in order. Hey, uh, here's another fun one. If you have uh, insurance stuff, you may want to do a walkthrough of your house with your video running on your cell phone and just catalog what you have. You hope that it never happens, but I can tell you from uh, people I know personally, fires really do happen and they can really destroy mm -hmm. your entire life. It's a lot more convenient if you've got a record of what you own when you're trying to tell the insurance company what they're replacing. Okay. I like it. So those are simple, low-hanging fruit things that are good financial hygiene. But I want to talk about 2022 now. We're moving right? into it. I am a big fan of what gets written gets done. Okay. There's some truth in that. Okay. Now, now here's the magic of this. It's a lot of people will go out at the new year and they're just, oh, I'm going to make these changes in my life. And so it is all about... What are those changes? I'm going to work out. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And the number of people that wash out in less than three weeks is massive. I mean, like over 70% of people don't even make it three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Huge attrition rate in New Year's resolutions. If you want to get a great deal on exercise equipment, I'm pretty sure February is your month. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's it's wild. It's probably more like April because by then people have already had three months of not doing it. And they're like, what did I do? I just gonna yeah. sell this thing, or after a year they'll sell it because they're tired of hanging their clothes. Did on you it. ever buy the Bowflex when that was a big popular thing? No. Ah, uh, you avoided no. it. I don't think it was. I had something in college, and I used it a little bit. Oh. It broke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's. But uh, anyway, the. It also was a good clothes rack. Just so. Just so. Yeah. We there you go. <laughs> Hang up all of your suits on the Bowflex. <laughs> It was a different one. I don't remember what it was, but it was uh, had a different name. It was not the Bowflex. Similar, similar deal though. Yeah, remember I'm I'm probably older than the Bowflex. So there you go. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, here's the thing: if you want to make changes in your life, there's a certain level of commitment involved. And one of the things that you need to do is there are these psychology shortcuts, and writing things down is really important. 
if you write something down and then just revisit, actually, you don't even have to revisit it. The studies have actually indicated that if you simply write it down, it makes a big difference. Uh, and I, my, it's probably because of some kind of neural connection between thinking it and writing it and reading it all at the same time. It, it anchors it more in your subconscious. But if you write your goals down and then you review them on a regular basis, I think a lot of people that have been around for a while on this program know I will write messages to myself on my bathroom mirror. I use a dry erase marker. You're and I'll kidding. Write stuff. Different goals that I have that are going on or different things that need to happen, I'll just kind of write them up there because I see them a lot. Does your wife ever write stuff back? Does she ever pick <laughs> yeah, it she up? she has. <laughs> has she? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and we've done silly stuff. You know how, like, on the Truman Show when he drew the bubble over, like Jim Carrey is oh. in the mirror and draws the bubble over himself and all? I mean, we've done silly stuff like that and cute messages to each other. I like um, it. But... And I don't do it a ton lately. It worked so well I stopped, right? But I, mm. have, I have a list of the goals I've had for years. What was that uh, tool you were showing me? Was it Google Keep or yeah, Idea? Yeah, so that's is the it? list program. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, Google Keep is just really handy if you, and I'm not trying to pitch Google here, but it's a location-aware listing service. So if Love you have it. a list at Home Depot and you, on your phone you walk into Home Depot, it's going to pop up that list and say, oh, you're at your Home Depot. You need to get this stuff. Mm -hmm. right? And you can go grocery list or whatever you want. So it's pretty cool. But for the, the goal section of it, it's pick some goals. And here's the rules. Smart. Okay. Right? Smart goals. So S is in specific. Specific indeed. What does okay. that mean? You better make sure that it's not really vague. Like if you're setting a goal, make it, sure yeah, that you know exactly. It's not lose weight, right? It's yeah. lose 10 pounds. Yes, exactly. Okay, so that's specific. Which then makes it measurable by definition. Right. And th what this really comes down to is subjective versus objective, mm -hmm. right? Uh, you know where we see this in finance? People should pay their fair share. Yeah, what is fair? Yeah, fair. And what oh, is that no, share? Fair. Okay, well, that is vague, right? People should pay 34%. Now we're getting measurable mm -hmm. and specific. And ridiculous. I don't want to pay 34%. <laughs> Come on, man. I don't think it should take that much personally. No. Even if you're very, very wealthy, I think that if everybody, you know, kind of paid part, that it's amazing how it would work. But because yeah. it turns out, if you pay 10% of a really big number, it's still a really big number. If somebody else pays 10% of a small number, it's a small number, but we all pay 10%. Mm -hmm. So it is progressive in terms of the actual dollars collected, but whatever. All right. A in SMART. S-M-A. A is for attainable. Okay. Can you actually lose 175 pounds when you only weigh 250? Yeah. Is it attainable? Yeah. Is it a real goal, right? Mm -hmm. I want to make a billion dollars. And I go, okay, well, you know, and I You're want to live on the moon. 50. And yeah. like, well, living on the moon, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying, what's the probability that you can really do that right now? I mean, like, yeah. how long? Like, okay, you want to spend the rest of your life getting there? Maybe. But that's a really screwy, yeah, I think your weight loss one's better. Like, I want to lose more than my body weight. <laughs> okay, you're vapor. You can't do that. <laughs> so, R. I feel like R kind of ties back into attainable. Yeah. And is it is it realistic? But the other thing about it is realistic means will you do it? Mm. Yeah. You know, like there are times when you can say, I want to do all these things, but you don't really want to do it. My pilot's license has almost fallen into that category. It's like, well, yeah, I want to do it, but 
it lives in the category of neither important nor urgent. It's a nice to have, not need to have. And it is a not urgent instead of urgent, which makes it fall off the radar a lot. Mm. I know, not great. So not a killer goal because while it's possible, it's just not something that I've put the energy and effort into, and that makes it a lot harder to be realistic. Do I need about. to get really sappy here and be like, David, don't give up on your dreams? <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. Because I have many other dreams too, so it's uh, all good, right? Uh, last one, T. Time. Time bound. Like this program, which I has will 90 lose, seconds. Yeah, I will lose five pounds in five months. There's your restriction. Yeah. It's time bound. And, and that can do it, right? I will lose, lose five pounds in five minutes. I said, not without cutting off a limb. So Get out that hacksaw. <laughs> and so the, the trick, though, is you don't want to say, they're, they're, like, here's the things. Like, someday I want to view the glass half full. Great. You just made a goal that is nonspecific, can't be measured, don't know whether or not it's attainable or not, realistically not grounded anywhere, and has no deadline whatsoever. That is a dream, not a goal. Yeah, no snowflake right? goal setting. Right. Here. So dreams are goals without deadlines. We want to take your dreams out of the clouds and make them real. And then we're going to give you that that smart goal. So specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, time bound. You can do those things, then we can get rolling. Maybe they need to bring us their goals financially and we help them achieve them well that a good plan starts with the end in mind and that mm. means my goal is i would like to retire and i'd like life to look like this how do we do it and the answer is yeah, start with a good plan so there you go you got the goals you can work from there and reverse engineer it but as you can hear from the music speaking of time bound we are at the end of today matt mm. how do they reach us for more five four one Three seven five zero eight nine eight. All right, gang, you heard it here. Also, uh, you can email us at info at littlejohnfs.com. Check out the webpage as well. Uh, but for now, we are out of time. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio twelve forty KQEN. <laughs>